0: Welcome to the edition podcast, a weekly look at the ever-changing world of digital media with me, Charlotte Henry. This week, I'm very lucky to have as a guest, the person who in large part is to blame for me having this show. Dave Hamilton co-founded the Mac Observer where I previously worked and had a show and through his backbeat Media Network supports many independent podcasters, including me. He also presents a number of his own shows, including Mac Geek Gab. Dave Hamilton, thank you for joining the edition podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Charlotte. Yeah, it's it's so been a, it's been a while since we've chatted, so yeah. I like and this.
0: this is at least a strong seventy to eighty percent your fault. So
1: that's fair. I think yeah. it's
0: like right. You face the public and face the music on this.
1: I've got to face the music here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's fine. I'll I'll but, take it. Yeah.
0: Uh, as well as kind of throwing rotten cabbages at Dave, the thing we wanted to do was you've just got back from Podcast Movement. I did. Which, the kind of you know, central gathering point of many podcasters of all shapes and sizes and audiences. So how was it just first of all to be back in the room where it happens, as it were?
1: <laughs> My name is Dave Hamilton, after all. Exactly. Uh, I, so I have been to, am trying to think about this. I think I've been to every in-person podcast movement since... Uh, the beginning of 2020. There was one right as like, you know, like right before in February. So you can do your math of 2020. There was one in, in, in February. Then there was supposed to be one in the summer that didn't happen. There was one in the summer of 21, which looked to be in a perfect spot. And literally like four days before it started, the whole Delta wave hit and, I think, well, I think most of the attendees bailed and about 50 percent of the presenters bailed, And that was in Nashville. I needed to be in Nashville for other reasons. And so I went. I was there for one day and it really was not uh, it was not. It was not what it what it normally would be.
0: It's not the coming together you were used to.
1: <laughs> not if, not at all. No, in fact, I I went. I had a couple of meetings with people and couldn't get out of there fast enough because I also which didn't is not wanna...
0: normally how you come back from Podcast Movement. <laughs>
1: That's not normally the thing. Yeah, like I said, I had to be in Nashville for other reasons. I w- I was also speaking on a panel at Podcast Movement, which got moved to a remote panel. So I did the panel from my Airbnb. The day before I went to Podcast Movement, which was so super weird, uh, and then uh, then was there. But anyway, your question is is it stands? I just wanted to give it some color in case yeah. people, the, you know, the other two people at Podcast Movement Nashville saw me there and were like, "Why why are you saying that Dallas is your first time back?" And it's because it was our first time back. It really felt everybody was there, uh, and I, I know there were some people who were not there for a variety of reasons, but you know, there was critical mass there. The the expo floor was full of vendors and full of people. The sessions were full of speakers and full of people. I didn't see one remote session. I know there were lots of people watching from remote and that's true for a variety of reasons, including, you know, travel expenses, like for you to go to podcast movement from London is a very different thing than I mean, look, me from it, Boston.
0: Worth it for a beer with you, but maybe we'll there save it know. till next year.
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, and that would be amazing. Uh, Right. So, and it's in it's in Denver next summer, nice. uh, or or Las Vegas in the the winter. There's two events to Podcast Movement.
0: Yeah, they used this. to be. This, this confuses me when I've read can, about it.
1: It confuses me too. So they started as two separate things. There is the sort of big show for everyone in the summer, and every by everyone I mean they're they're inclusive for the most part for everything, but. Uh, the target audience of the summer event is both creators and business people, right? So there's, cause there's a lot of business people involved sure. in the podcast world that have never created a podcast, nor will they ever, right? They're, yeah, they're I kind mean, of on the back is, end.
0: Just to go back to sort of the dynamic of us and Backbeat Media, that's kind of the thing. You're a podcaster and also runs a business for podcasters. You sit in both those seats.
1: And I, and, I, and we're very upfront about that. I, yeah. I my, my, shtick line is hundred percent true, but it is that we run a network of fiercely independent podcasters of which I am one uh, and and that's part of what what makes our network work for the people who are in it yep. but uh so so the the summer show is for creators uh, and the business people. The winter show has typically been in Los Angeles in the past, and that has been primarily targeted at. Uh, they call that podcast movement evolutions, mm. and that's been primarily targeted at the business side, with not much focus for creators. Except that in recent years, it, it was in LA again this uh, earlier this year, and it just that the there's a merging of the two that seems like we just have two shows a year, and it, it's hard for me to say because I do go for both reasons, yeah, uh, you know, and so it, like. I'd need to really kind of zoom out and think about, okay, are they actually doing, are they merging them really? Or am I just seeing it as being merged? But there was a lot for creators at the LA show this year. So this two, twice a year, it's Las yeah. Vegas next year and Dal- and Denver. But uh, And
0: increasingly but, I, what you're saying, and I think it really was true is creators do have to have a bit of a business brain as well, especially when you're starting out before you have people to help you. Like, you do actually have to, like, it's great to buy a mic and put stuff out there, but, like, you have to understand a bit of the business dynamics of the world you're in, so I can see why those two things are merging. Uh, You shared with me a couple of stats that I find really, really interesting, actually, and it's kind of about where people are listening. So you said Overcast, you learned, is the number four app, but that was via Libsyn, so obviously Apple, Spotify, and then Google are above it.
1: Yeah, uh, which was yeah. really, int- I mean, it, it was less than 2% that yeah. Overcast, which is created by a single indie developer. That's that was sort of the the highlight of that for me. And and it is the podcast app that I choose to use because Marco Armin is a talented developer, a podcaster and a podcast listener. So he has built the app that someone exactly like him would want. And it turns out there's lots of people yep. that want that. Uh, but fascinating that, you know, there's there's these three big, you know, the fang companies and then Spotify is not a fan company, but you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. up there. Yeah. And then, you know, Marco.
0: <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I think that kind of speaks to the whole vibe of podcasting anyway, of like, that's it. Everybody's
1: equal. Uh, if you want to be
0: make yep, it happen,
1: make it happen.
0: That's it. Um, and one of your takeaways, you said actually, while we're on this kind of is Google and uh, the power growing power, Google is having in the podcasting space. Now, to me, this comes in two ways, uh, that I, two different things I want to touch on with you, actually. Okay. One is the Google podcasting app, which, as you pointed out already, is pretty significant. And a small little business that Google owns called YouTube um, is just becoming so important to podcasters, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I have preached for a long time how important YouTube is to podcasters, largely because... It is the world's number two search engine and it's a search engine for content that is, you know, a a video and somewhat audio in nature. So it's, it's gotta be the number one search engine for podcasts, right? I mean, just by, by putting those two truths together, you know, Google, the search engine searches everything, but mostly searches text Whereas, you know, YouTube searches the the, the whole idea is to, to show you video and it can be video with just an audio track that that has no, you know, that has maybe a static image for the video. And so I've always said to podcasters, uh, you know, put your stuff on YouTube. Certainly, if you want to go through the trouble of adding video, great. But. Even just the audio, if someone is looking for you somewhere, you want them to be able to find you, yes. uh, especially if you've already gone through the trouble of making sure they know him for some reason. So, yeah. yeah, but YouTube, you're right. Last week, YouTube announced youtube.com slash podcasts yeah, or whatever.
0: Yeah. That's and, only in the US, isn't it? I had a look from here in the UK and I got a 404, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it is available in the US, right? Yeah, yeah. it's there.
0: But when I went in the UK, I got a 404.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But that's, never mind whether I can see it at this minute or not, it's clearly a signal of intent by both Alphabet and YouTube.
1: Correct. It is to highlight the fact that there are podcasts here. Like, it doesn't change anything other than... Then making them perhaps even a more important search engine for podcasters yeah. is, yeah. is the, the way to do it. But the the, the flip side of it, it, like you said, is Google themselves has uh, the, the Google podcast directory, the Google Play Store podcast. What they don't have is a native app on Android. So, And it was Rob Walsh at Libsyn who highlighted this fact and said, hey, look, you know, the next biggest growth opportunity in terms of listeners – In podcasting is on google because once they put a native podcast app on android like right now we see more listenership in the podcast sphere in general we see more listeners on apple than on android
0: by native to clarify you're talking about so when you buy a new iphone before you do anything The Apple Podcast app is on your iPhone. It doesn't matter if you've never bought an iPhone before in your life or ever listened to a podcast before in your life, that app is there. And because of that, it's where most people with iPhones go and listen to podcasts just because it's there.
1: Yeah. And it's called podcasts. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like
0: perfect. At the moment, if you want to use Google Podcasts, even on an Android phone, you have to go to the Google Play Store and download that. That's correct. Uh, And they're now trying to get it. Within the operating system, essentially of Android, I,
1: I would assume that that's the next step. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I haven't researched as to whether Google said it, but it seems pretty obvious that that's sort of, you know, part of this this evolution that Google's going through here, especially with with them adding YouTube podcasts and and so being making if you are a podcaster, making sure your and this was Rob Walsh's point too, making sure your show is first of all listed in Google and has a robust listing there, you have the opportunity to be, you know, it's to say you're in on the ground floor is is misleading, but it's also not entirely incorrect, right? You, you know, so if you can be one of those shows that's out there in Google, when it hits, uh, you know, and and I mean, when Apple put... Their podcast directory in iTunes back in two thousand and five. We at Mac were fortunate enough. I mean, we it actually required it, well, I don't know if it required this, but it involved an email to Steve Jobs to make sure we were going to be in the directory. Uh, and not only were we in the directory, but Geekab was featured on, you know, the the front page of, of Apple podcasts in the iTunes directory, which made perfect sense. Like this was for nerds at first, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, it made perfect sense. But we went from having a thousand listeners to 20,000 listeners overnight. And that was amazing. And it really helped kind of fuel our growth. It meant that I couldn't follow through on my initial plan to hand the podcast off after six weeks. But, you know,
0: yeah, 17 years, years later, like, yeah, 17
1: and a half. Yeah, exactly. How's that yep. going? Um, uh, yeah. I failed in that particular mission, but you know, it's all, it's all been success otherwise. Yeah, yeah.
0: I should point out at this juncture that the edition does have a YouTube channel and that you can listen to the edition podcast, wherever you get your podcast, as well as via Substack. So do, if you use Overcast or one of the other podcast apps we've talked about, do look for the edition or the edition Charlotte Henry and you will find me. There are four million podcasts out there, apparently, according to Podcast Movement, which is a terrifying thought. But less than four percent have over ten episodes, like released within that do a fresh one every week. Yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah there there are there are about and and both Rob Walsh and then uh, the Podcast Two Index people, which is Adam Curry and Dave Jones, uh, have done their own. Sort of regression analytics on those numbers, and there is somewhere between three and four hundred thousand active podcasts. And if you if you cut out all of the uh, the online sermons and rebroadcasted radio shows, which of which there are a lot, Love, and of yeah. course they are producing content, so they fall into that you know let's say four hundred thousand number. Uh, if you cut those out, you probably cut the number in half. So when you're creating a podcast that isn't a rebroadcasted radio show or a a broadcasted sermon, you really have about 200,000 competitors. And, you know, so it's not it's that's a lot, but it's not four million. And and then you have to think about how many of those competitors are actually in your niche where it might actually be competition, Uh, you know? yeah. 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 So.
0: Um, Just actually to round up our what we were saying about YouTube as well, uh, there's apparently according to the head of, of of YouTube, head of podcast YouTube, there's more than one billion hours of YouTube watched a day. So, and the podcasts make a good portion of that. Let's just say that number again: one billion hours in a twenty-four hour period. Yeah. If that doesn't. Make you as a podcaster listening to the show set up your YouTube channel straight away. I'm not sure what what will. It's a it's a pretty staggering stat. Um, that's,
1: that's yeah. Hang on, I'm I'm trying to figure this out here. Is, that's like 114 years worth Dave of content doing
0: mass live.
1: Yeah, this is what it's 114 years worth of of content on consumed on YouTube alone during the day. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm having. I got to process this. That's <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a lot of YouTube and actually NPR, obviously a huge producer of some of the kind of content you're talking about, sure. rebroadcasted radio shows and YouTube have just announced a partnership. They use podcast movement to do that, and yeah. so I think it becomes very clear that YouTube is taking podcasting very, very seriously in a way that perhaps Spotify did a couple of years ago, and we saw their big play.
1: Can I? Can I? Offer some perspective here on both YouTube Always. and Spotify since Always. we're talking about them in in terms of, of the podcast in business. I'm, the technical definition of a podcast, and, and this is not a complete definition in today's world, right? But the technical definition of a podcast is content of any kind, could be a PDF even, but that you release in um as 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 episodic content or on a regular not not a one time release and you publish to your rss feed so that i can go and choose you know overcast or whatever app i want including like apple podcasts or google's podcasts or whatever subscribe to that rss feed and i know i will get all the content cuz it's open and free and all of that Spotify has lots of shows which do not fit that mold because you have to be a Spotify subscriber to, 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 to use, you know, to access that content. And that's like, that's fine. I still consider Joe Rogan show a podcast, even though you cannot get it anywhere other than Spotify, right? It's behind a walled garden. Uh, YouTube does not pull from my podcast feed. It does not pull from your podcast feed. They are not a podcast player in by that definition. However, lots of people, consumers, listen to podcasts on YouTube, and therefore, podcasts are on YouTube. YouTube right? yeah. like, it's yeah. just how it be.
0: Or watch uh, videos of people having a conversation that is a you can listen to in Apple Podcasts, but they choose to watch that conversation on YouTube.
1: That's it. You got it. Yep. So it's interesting, uh, you know, We, like I said, we've been doing this 17 years and it's fascinating watching the evolution of this. Some of it, most of it, in fact, is fantastic. Some of it is troubling, uh, you know, and 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 that that's one of the things I'm excited about with, you know, podcasting 2.0 is is a a reminder slash return to some of those ideas.
0: Yes, and I want to talk about podcasting 2.0 because when you raised the phrase with me first, it gave me a panic attack. So I'm going to take a deep breath and we'll come back to it. But first, I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, Business Capital Providers. Could your business use additional cash flow to help it grow or just get through a temporary rough spot? If so, our friends at Business Capital Providers may be just the help you are looking for. They specialise in funding small and medium-sized businesses quickly without lengthy paperwork or strict collateral requirements. Go to bcproviders.com addition to find out how you can get funded for as much as $250,000 in as little as 72 hours. You must have been in business for one year and produced revenue of at least $25,000, but the process is quick and easy, a one-page application requiring six months of bank statements. Business capital providers give fast results with no collateral required. When banks say no, business capital providers say yes. Visit bcproviders.com slash addition to find out more. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show. And I'm back with Dave Hamilton, fresh off the plane from Podcast Movement. Um, You used the phrase before the break, podcasting 2.0. Go on, Dave. What is podcasting 2.0?
1: So podcasting 2.0 is at the surface. And and I know that Adam and Dave would would probably cringe at at my interpretive definition of this. But it is additions to the podcasting spec, the the RSS namespace, if we want to get super technical, that adds some features to the whole idea. However and we can talk about some of those features because I'm really excited about, uh, especially a few of them. What it also is, is a rethinking of the directory of podcasts because right now, any, as we said before, any podcast uh, theoretically is available via an RSS feed. This one is certainly uh, that you can subscribe to with any app. However, most apps, don't have the staffing, bandwidth, finances, whatever to bother with maintaining their own directory of all the podcasts, right? So if you launch like if I launch any podcast app and I know, like I've gone to your website and copied your RSS feed to my clipboard, I can subscribe. No problem. Yeah. But if I just want to search for the edition with Charlotte Henry, i it like that there needs to be a database to to you know serve a result from in order for that search to be to matter let's
0: be clear that's how the latter way you're describing is how most people find podcasts so someone would look i want to listen to a podcast about max and they put mac in and your show and a number of other shows will come up because exactly it's it's listed in the database thanks to that email from steve jobs
1: right right. well yeah (laughs) Um, um Actually, we were already in the database when that email went to Steve Jobs, but it's a, that's a different story. Uh, but I didn't know that, which is yeah. why I had to send Steve the email. But the problem and that all that is fine, except the question then is, well, if people aren't creating that database and maintaining it themselves, where do they get it from? Can and the I? answer is they get it from Apple. Apple yeah. publishes. Apple's database, which is great. They they do it for free. No one's breaking any rules or, you know, the, the it's all as it should be. The problem is Apple is a privately held company. Well, publicly they are they are a a a, a for-profit company. They're publicly sure. held. But but they are a company. They are not some nonprofit that's there to preserve the good of podcasting, right? They need to serve their own purposes and for their own reasons at times. They have chosen to delist uh, certain podcasts, and and they have all kinds of criteria, and and that's it, fine. Like we could we could probably nitpick that, but it's it's irrelevant. They're uh, always going to have these criteria.
0: And as you used uh, with the Joe Rogan example, some podcasts have chosen to be delisted,
1: and they're that correct, correct. So uh, we have this directory that is ostensibly open, but really not because it's controlled by one company. And so I think that was the initial impetus behind podcast to, podcasting 2.0 and podcastindex.org which is where this all exists. This is a, now a blockchain based index with some features on this blockchain that are pretty cool because when a, you know think of all the podcasts there's 200,000 podcasts out there that are actually active, 400,000 really that are active. Yeah. Uh and you know, how often are they putting out episodes? If you need to pull that directory all the time to get, uh, you know, to find out if your favorite podcasts are, you know, have a new episode, that's going to overload things. So one of the things on this directory is the ability to push a notification to the it lives on the blockchain that says, yes, this show is out. And so now you don't have to do all of this polling. And it can cut down on all of this resource usage and bandwidth and all that stuff, which is great. Uh, It's also a blockchain-based directory, which means no one owns it. It is out there and, you know, it's confirmed just like any other blockchain is. And it's just this open thing and any show can be there and no one other than the show manager themselves. And even then, I don't know that you could pull the show The previous episodes off the chain, you could probably not publish new ones, but I don't like the chain is the chain. It's how it be. You could you could probably mark your show as, you know, this is no longer being published, but the history is the history and it will never go away. And that's a good thing. Right. Like we I I like that. What I really like, though, is the uh, value for value that podcast index and podcasting 2.0 is bringing. I need to pause for a second here and explain. I've I've mentioned in the names Adam Curry and Dave Jones yeah. a couple of times. Most people probably have no idea who either of those uh, gentlemen are. Adam Curry is credited with being the well the 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 nom- the, the nomer that he's been the name he's been given is the Podfather. He and Dave Weiner, uh, eighteen years ago, almost to the day, but certainly to the month. Released the first podcast together, and Adam then continued releasing shows, and Dave did too. But Adam's show was called the Daily Source Code, and it was built to attract. He called it that to attract developers because he knew he needed developers to support this new this addition to the RSS spec. And that's all that Dave Weiner did. I mean, Dave Weiner did a lot of other things, but. For podcasting, they just added the enclosure tag to the RSS spec so that you could have a way of of saying, yes, then this is the thing you should download that goes along with this this item in the in the RSS. And, you know, Adam and and Dave knew that they needed to have this adopted. And so he put this show out every day called The Daily Source Code, which was just all about podcasting. It wasn't really about source code, uh, but it was enough to attract the right developers. And obviously things took off and things went well. He's doing it again with a different Dave. This time it's Dave Jones programmer. You Daves uh, get everywhere. Uh, You know, these are the Daves they know. Uh, But and so Adam is 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 out there pushing this. And he's always been, you know, he ran pirate radio stations when he was a kid. He also, yes, was a personality on MTV. uh, And and but what a lot of people don't know is he had this company called Think New Ideas that went public and he made a ton of money from that. Uh, right. Like they they cashed out right before the the crash of 2001. I mean, like they timed it perfectly. <laughs> they, they didn't know it was it was dumb. No. Luck, right. Obviously, no one no one knew. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, he's he's and he's been doing a, a podcast for a long time with with John C. Dvorak, who Apple uh, fans. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Apple fans would know, is having written the back page of MacWorld for a long time and PC Magazine and all that stuff. So, uh, and and John is a great curmudgeon. Like he totally understands how to engage people because uh, yes. one week he would say, "Oh, the Mac is terrible doing this," and then the next week he would say, "The Mac is great," and and even infuriate people on both sides of that particular flame war and uh, uh, and get lots of I audience. I should I
0: members. should say two things at this point. One. This whole conversation, this whole last segment is proof of one of the things Dave has taught me over the years, which is there are no problems that Dave thinks can't be solved by a good database and good database, That's fair. Man- and good database management. Fair. Uh, and second, if you're inter- interested, as I certainly am with the kind of more of the history of podcasting, uh, Tom Merritt has a fantastic episode on his uh, A Word with Tom Merritt podcast with uh, Brian Ibbott. Uh, and that's a fantastic uh, episode about the kind of his uh, podcasting journey and the story of podcasting. And it's well worth a listen. It was well worth an hour of your time.
1: So in, in, in the reason I bring up Adam's show with John Dvorak is uh, it's called No Agenda. They have never taken sponsorship dollars. They have always done what what they call value for value. And it's it's evolved over time because they've learned things. But the idea is you put your content out for free uh, in that you don't charge people a fixed price to get it. And you tell people that it is a value to you and ask them to send you whatever value it might be to them. And people send in, you know, some people will send in a couple of bucks an episode. Some people will send in hundreds of dollars per episode and all of those people, many of those people, would send in five dollars an episode if that's what you told them to send. And so this whole idea of value for value, right? What 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 is the value to you as the listener, you as the audience member? And if it's zero, don't send in anything. That's okay. And and so th- this whole value for value thing. And he's not and certainly Adam Curry didn't invent value for value, but but he he made it work in his own podcast. Except that they are hundred percent reliant on PayPal with no agenda. And if PayPal decides that what they're doing is not part of PayPal's mission, then they have a, a, they have their, no way of receiving funds from their audience and their entire revenue stream dries up. So with podcasting 2.0, value for value can be done that way. And you can put a tag in. Yep. There's a, a, a tag that you can put in to send people to your donations page or whatever you want. But also, if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, of which there are more and more every day. You can, as a listener, choose to do to support in two new ways. One is to literally stream Satoshis, which are fractions of a Bitcoin uh, (laughs) for every minute that you're listening. So, you know, you press play. You've decided, okay, for this podcast, I'm going to, you know, stream uh, whatever, 10 sats a minute or something like that. And for every minute that you're listening, there's just money funneling straight from your Bitcoin wallet to the podcaster's Bitcoin wallet or whatever wallet or wallets they've defined for you to send to. Also, if there's a particular segment where you're like, yes, that was super valuable to me, I want to give more, then you send what's called a boostagram and you can send a fixed amount for just, yeah. you know, yeah. And I, I, I love this. I, do I love that it's limited only to cryptocurrency? No. Um, I, I'm fine. I'm very comfortable with cryptocurrency, but I know that most people aren't, even most people, have, uh, most of our listeners at Mac E-Cab, you know, it's it's not a thing most people are into, but it's the beginning of it. It it yeah. needs to start this way and and we'll get to yeah. where it is. Yeah. I
0: mean, I should say a, a spoiler alert. The next episode of the edition podcast is going to be about Web3. So I'm not going to respond to a lot of that stuff now. Perfect. This, but
1: bear in I'll mind. I'll listen next the, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but that's what this is, right? This is, I mean, this is 100% Web3 yeah. uh, for podcasting 2.0. It would be nice if it was podcasting 3.0 because then we wouldn't have to worry about numbers yeah, in a, our head.
0: It's a bit like the Apple Watch and the iOS thing always yeah, being kind out of sync. that's a really good analogy. Um, <laughs> actually, just because the, there's so much that came out, you and I could chat for hours about this stuff, yeah. and spoiler alert, we do. Um, but there's a, a sort of perhaps, it seems to be on the other end of the scale, Another thing you highlighted to me, which is Mark Cuban's fireside chat, which seems to be a much more closed offering. Am I misinterpreting something or am I right about
1: that? If you're misinterpreting something, so am I. I don't I. I, So Mark Cuban is a charismatic guy. He's obviously had lots of success He's had tons of failures as well. Let's remember that, right? Like you don't get that level of success without yeah, having even more open failures, about, right? Open about and he's open things. about them. Correct. Yeah, no, 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 no. He, he's, he, yeah, absolutely. He, he's. He's a big fan of making mistakes, right? Let's put it that way. Uh, He's also
0: can afford to make mistakes, but
1: anyway. Well, but but yeah, right. I mean, we could. That's a whole other conversation. He can. You're right. Now he can. But even when he couldn't, he was still a big fan of making mistakes. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Mark Cuban's in that way that he, you know, he plows forward and all this stuff. He's very charismatic. He's a great salesperson. Uh, they did. They he and the CEO of Fireside uh, did a keynote interview at Podcast Movement, which was mostly an ad for Fireside. Just explain briefly
0: what Fireside is uh, having seen that.
1: Yeah, firesidechat.com is where it lives and it is a a platform on the phone for creating and consuming like real-time content, if you will. Uh, And the idea is it brings the audience in and kind of like um uh, uh clubhouse yeah right oh
0: i remember uh, that i remember that right. period of the pandemic
1: <laughs> exactly it's it's that kind of idea with video and you you can you know be uh, engage with the show you can do all kinds of different things so it's this yeah it's a closed but open system in that you have to do everything you have to create it within fireside if you want to participate you then have to consume within Fireside. But if you don't want to participate, Fireside also will push the resulting content out to YouTube and uh, and others, both in real time and then also as, like, archival uh, content. So it's streaming to your platforms, you know, Instagram and and YouTube. And so you own your audience in that regard. You also own your Fireside audience, they say. But I don't know what that means, Uh, in terms of like if I decide to leave the platform how do you give me my audience is it a csv and what are the privacy implications of that if I'm a consumer is not a producer but uh, yeah I I, like I've described to you what what they spent an hour describing from different angles and like everybody kind of left that room like okay well you know it was fun to see mark cuban again Sure. sure yeah uh probably the wrong topic though maybe something different next time guys
0: yeah it's just going to be very interesting and i'm sure in three six twelve months i'll have you back on the show to discuss this just the kind of direction of podcasting now yeah those of us who are in it feel like we're always at a big moment where everyone gets podcast and then you speak to people who have never listened to a podcast in their life or don't realize they have and you just bang your head against the wall in frustration. But That's right. so so it's really interesting. I, I just want to round up. You said it was like great being back with people. Did that, how did that make you feel about the world of podcasting and the future of podcasting? Are you, did you come back really energized having been in a room with a load of other podcasters?
1: Yeah, it, it it was as it often is, you know, it's the echo chamber, right? So everybody there is super gung ho on podcasting. And it's not like the rest of the world, right? Everybody knows a lot of the sort of, you know, foundational information and all that stuff. But that is a great thing. And being at a conference where you get to immerse yourself for a short period of time in the echo chamber is so important and and, and was for, you know, for this. But I think just zooming out a little bit, it's a good thing. I had several people ask me prior to my trip to to Dallas you know, are conferences even still a thing? Do they have value anymore? And my response to those people is, so you're someone for conferences never had value. Is that correct? Uh, and I know that's a little bit snarky for me to say, but it it forces us to have the right conversation, I think, because conferences have always been valuable for exactly that reason. Getting the, the hallway track, I like to call it. Yes, some of the sessions are valuable and we've talked about some of the, the things I've learned in those sessions. Yeah. We've also talked about things I've learned in the hallway track, right? like, you know, and the hallway track being running into people and just having these random conversations. So, yeah, it 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 very much energized me, uh, both just being immersed in it and then also kind of the few key tidbits that resonated with me that I've sort of taken back. And it's like, okay now. You know, in an hour from now after this, uh, one of my co-hosts and I are getting together to talk about, OK, here's all the things that we're going to do, you know, that we should have been doing. You know, all, every one of yeah, them yeah. is things we should have been doing for the last two years. But OK, fine, whatever. Now, you know, second best time to do it is tomorrow. So let's do that, you know, yeah, yeah. today. So, yeah.
0: Um, well, it's great to hear so much about your experience and there's a lot to unpack. And um, I, I'm pleased to hear that we're kind of in a industry and in a world where lots of exciting and creative things are happening. So thank you so much for joining me, Dave Hamilton. If for some reason people don't know how to keep up with what you're up to, where can people find you?
1: Uh, You know, I'm all over the place on the internet. DaveHamilton.com will always be me, but really just find me on Twitter at Dave Hamilton. That's going to be the easiest place.
0: And I'll leave a couple of links in the show notes to things like MacGeekGab and some of the other things we've discussed. I'm at Sharla A. Henry on the Twitters. As I said, you can subscribe to the edition newsletter and you get the podcast that way. You can find me in any good podcast app and maybe even some of the bad ones too. So do keep uh, joining me there and supporting the show thank you so much for the people that have. we've been six months of the edition so thank you so much to the people who have helped me get into this point including you Dave and I will see you for the start of the next six months next week